some food and up to the ground come a bubble of food. Or that is black gold. Beverly Hillbillies. The first thing you know, old Jeb's a millionaire. Said, Jim, move away from there. Listen to that banjo. So I will admit, I, I, I will admit, I have probably seen that show once or twice, and that's it. I did that's not, it. I did not watch it that much at all. A couple times, maybe. Yeah. Huh? You watched it a lot. <laughs> I think, no, I, mean, I don't think I watched it a lot, but I saw more than two episodes. <laughs> so I, I don't know the characters well at all. Um, but again, it's a classic. Matt Keller, you're the first one to get it, at least <laughs> as far as my screen shows. Well done, Pat. It's a classic theme song. It took me maybe, well, once I, I needed to hear the lyrics before I got it. Just the banjo didn't, didn't tip me off. <clears throat> but once, once, uh, the lyrics started, then I was right there. Well, good at shooting at some crude. Not from the brown ground comes a bubbling brew. <laughs> what bill that is? You are a uh, you're a connoisseur of TV theme songs, Rob. You really are. I love them to a sinful extent. <laughs> There's the phrase of the day. A sinfulest extent. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Joel and Rob's podcast where we usually explore explore a chapter from whom we make the road by walking brian mclaren's fantastic book but we're taking a break today where we're going to you leaving we're gonna tackle or again tackle is the wrong word we're going to explore uh something different we did it a few weeks ago where we took a look at the spiritual practice of sabbath And today, uh, the question in front of us uh, is, did God cause COVID-19? And so, just to give a little context here, this was a question that, in a conversation with one of our uh, dear TPC members, um, she had relayed this question to us, not that she was asking it, but she had overheard um, that question being asked, and... um, she thought it was a, a subject to be explored in a podcast or a sermon or something like this, and so um, Rob and I thought this would be this would be apropos for one of our podcasts. Um, so, a question like this: um, Did God cause COVID nineteen? Gets at um, <clears throat> gets at the question of uh, theodicy, and theodicy is. Um, uh, the question and study of how can a good God allow suffering in the world? Um, so that, that's, part, that's part of this question. But this question 
did God cause COVID-19 is a little different, where theodicy gets more at allow. Did God, how, how can God allow suffering? This question was more directed towards, um, was God the initiator of COVID-19 and everything that it brought? And that's a different yeah, kind of question. It's a huge question, and it, and it gets to the question kind of that, that, that even goes before theodicy, and that's the issue of sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our tradition, the Reformed tradition, we have a very high view of God's sovereignty. In other words, we believe that God is in control of everything in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, God is the ultimate power over each and all. Yes. Um, and some in our tradition um, hold, take that to a place of, I would argue, is extreme mm-hmm. um, in something called predestination. Yeah. In which God not only is in control of everything, but God has predetermined everything. Um, that God has predetermined not only that the world would be under a pandemic right now, but that you would be wearing a navy sweater vest and I would be wearing a, a green Henley. Um, it's actually a know, cardigan, uh, but just take, to, What's that? It's actually a cardigan, just to clarify. What did I say? Sweater vest. Oh, my bad. Okay, yeah. No, it is a cardigan. Duly noted. There's a difference. Let all podcast listeners understand that Joel is wearing a buttoned-up navy cardigan. Thank you. And I think Joel also has a navy T-shirt on underneath the it's cardigan. A, it's a black T-shirt. Okay, I was hoping you were going to say navy because there is there is a rule of fashion, Joel, in which one does not wear black and navy together. Tell me all about that, Rob. <clears throat> Okay, we're going off on a tangent here. Where where were you? Where what? Where were you? You were you were finishing your sentence about how God had ordained that I would be wearing this blue cardigan. Some people today. believe that. Some people believe that that God or, ordained that that God predestined that. I just happen to think you made a bad fashion choice today. <laughs> I don't think God predetermined that. Um. <laughs> like I made a bad fashion choice with my Hindley. No, you're, you know I think you're very uh, a very handsome, well-dressed fella. <laughs> but that's the extreme to which some believe in God's sovereignty. So uh, it is certainly part of the Reformed Christian view that God is sovereign, that God holds power over all things. Um, uh, but Within that realm of God's sovereignty, there are, like we've talked about before, there are, there are many places along that kind of line. And so you can have the extreme of God predestined everything, but there's also, and this is really transparently where I fall, is the belief that while God is the ultimate power in the world, that doesn't mean that God's the puppeteer and we're all God's marionettes that we're just all these little tiny pieces that don't have free will and don't have room and freedom to make choices. Yep. The reason yes. I believe that is, frankly, because of what we see in Scripture. Yeah. And perpetually, perpetually, God is calling people 
equipping them to do God's ministry, um, and sometimes pleading with them to do God's ministry. Um, and yet the people are the ones who end up having to say yes or no. They're the ones who either do or don't. Um, and as they do, sometimes they do well. And as they do, sometimes they don't do well. Mm. And there's ramifications to all of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, to say that God is sovereign does not necessarily mean that God controls and dictates everything in life. It means God could if God wanted to, um, but that God has chosen to love us and love gives freedom, mm. room to either give love back or not to. Mm. You know, if you truly love someone, don't you don't dictate their life. Yeah. You want what's best for them, which is wholeness and freedom. Yes. Um, yep. And so what, I don't want to dismiss the understanding that, you know, some people do believe in double decree predestinationism, it's, it's called, and this very high view of God as a, as a high dictatorial God who controls everything. Uh, I personally view that as rather extreme, and I don't for a millisecond think God is the puppeteer and we're just the marionettes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Really well said. So thinking about this question, did God cause COVID-19, had me thinking about other questions that have uh, kind of a similar um, understanding or, or, or kind of what's behind that question of did God cause COVID-19. So we've heard the phrase, everything happens for a reason. We had a um, church-wide study, this is a couple of years ago now, that explored those kind of phrase such as that. That kind of, kind of, as you describe God as this kind of um, puppeteer, um, that everything our, our days are orchestrated, and um, so we can take in that phrase the good, mo- the good things that happen to us, but also the suffering that happens to us, and that there is a reason why we're why we're experiencing this kind of suffering. In a phrase such as that, I've, I've heard these phrases too. Uh, thrown out at me, and I very well could have used these in my life too. Um, but as people were going through a challenging time, phrases such as, um, I'll just take whatever God throws at me, um, or this is just God's plan for my life. And so behind those, at first, it comes out as this incredibly strong faith, you know, trusting in God, uh, no matter what life or God throws at them. But behind that statement is that God is causing suffering in your life. That God is the initiator um, for suffering in your life or in the world's life. And so that's a whole different understanding of God. Uh, And that's kind of behind it's absolutely behind this this question. Did God cause COVID-19? Is God the one who is sending suffering into people's lives? Yeah, very well said. There's there's comfort in thinking that God, I, I get this, there's comfort in thinking that God is behind it because that takes away the randomness of it, of mm-hmm. it right? Mm-hmm. That 
minimizes our vulnerability within it because we are gods. You know, God's the one who's doing us, and surely God has a higher and greater plan for us in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's comfort. In, but you have to draw, you know, imagine theology is all built on, you know, these strings, right? You have to pull the whole string of that of that issue. Yeah. So if God, if God is behind the, you know, that random event in your life, that means God's behind the random events in every life, which means God is the reason why the children of Yemen are under the violence of poverty and warfare like nobody in America can fathom. Uh, God is the reason yeah. why there are still uh, little girls in the Middle East who can't go to school. God is the reason why, um, you know, there is a, someone's a, a suffering addiction or someone's suffering abuse because God is willing these things to happen. Exactly. Uh, you, you have to pull that all the way, all the way, not just not just for you, the events in your life that you want to believe God caused, if that's the case, then what does that say about God in all things, in all events? Yep. And if God is the cause of all that suffering, then how do we rectify that with the God we see in Jesus Christ? Yep. You know, the, I can't believe that the God of Jesus Christ is the one who wills suffering. I just can't believe it because who I see in Jesus Christ is a God that loves us enough to suffer for us so that we don't have to. Yeah. Um, so so to, to juxtapose the God of Jesus Christ, the God who suffers for us, with a version of God who causes suffering, that it's too much dissonance. It, it doesn't connect, and we have to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. So you, if you're going to believe that God causes all of that, okay. But then how do you rectify that with Jesus Christ and the God we see there? That, that, ha- that they have to go together Yeah. for Christians. For Christians. Yep. Yep. I got to. A, and, and I can't do it. And I can't either. Um, <clears throat> uh, which is why those phrases I described I, or earlier, I may have used those in the past. I very well might have. And they, they, they've broken down for me. Um, and so I appreciate you bringing up, um, the person of Jesus Christ and, uh, crucifixion and the story of Jesus's passion. It, that story has allowed me to, to, um, to be okay to say that God allows suffering in the world, that God, this is, this is, this is who God is. God allows suffering. And that has also, um, while I still believe God is all-powerful, to me personally, uh, there's an aspect of God um, uh, pulling back on God's omniscience, uh, uh, which is a word for God being almighty and all-powerful. God, God allows suffering in the world. Um, and Good Friday is the perfect example of it. Um, you even see Jesus in uh, the moments before he 
dies quoting Psalm 22. We, we read it every Good Friday or Monday, Thursday. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cries out on the cross, God, where are you in the midst of this? Um, uh, and even before that, um, Monday, Thursday, as he shares the meal with his disciples, or he, sorry, when, when, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, kind of, hey, if God, if this what, what's to come could pass from me, I would very much like it. I do not want to go through this suffering, but if that's what is the road I must walk, then I will walk it. <clears throat> um, and so, in our Christian faith, we have this understanding of God, of God allowing suffering, but God also understanding suffering. Um, uh, that God understands if, if, if we hold that God was in Jesus in <clears throat> this very unique way, um, God understands human suffering. And I think there's, there's comfort for me there. Those are absolutely the two points that the Christian has to hold together. Uh, and you say it well. We, we've been getting some good questions. Bernadine asks, hmm. um, why does it stop suffering then um, if God is all-powerful? Um, Catherine says, allowing suffering is not the same as causing it. And I agree. But if we believe in a loving God, that, that question of why does God allow it, that, that still holds water, yeah. right? Um, and that goes back, and this is how I have wrestled with it in my theology, and this is where I have come, come out on it, is it, it goes back to love. Who do we know God is? If God is one thing, in my opinion, that one thing is love, with a capital L. Mm -hmm. that's, that's who God is. And what we see in Jesus is that love is powerful. Love can do all things, but love is also incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. Jesus weeps in the Gospels multiple times. Yeah. You know, to Jerusalem, and he weeps. He sees Mary and Martha grieving Lazarus, who's, di who's died, and he weeps. Um, Jesus he sees the pain of the world, and, and Jesus weeps. Jesus mourns. Love is vulnerable because love wants what's best for the other. Yeah. But at the same time, Love does not control. Because when you love the other, you respect them enough to give them freedom and room to do what they so choose. So that when you love, you're loving someone out of your own freedom. It, mm. it wouldn't be loving if God said, okay, you're going to love me back. You're all going to be super faithful and super great. That really wouldn't be... I think a very fair notion of love, if we're being dictated to, our free will's taken, and God is forcing us to love God back. Absolutely. Instead, what it does is it sets the disciple free to either choose to live in love or choose not to live in love. And as we go through our world, we all sometimes live in love and sometimes fail to. And there are real ramifications, not only when we fail to, but when other people fail to. That doesn't explain necessarily something like COVID-19. Yeah. But it does 
I think, speak to at least sometimes why bad things happen. Doesn't necessarily mean God has caused them, but that God has given us freedom. God has given our world freedom. Yeah. To to govern itself. God's given us the law and the way, but God's not forcing us to to follow it. Yeah. Yep. Given freedom. Sometimes there's horrible ramifications to that. Um where we can't understand the the pain. Um, and in that, as you pointed out so well, um, while God doesn't stop us from being vulnerable, while God doesn't stand in the way because God wants us to live in love, and love is vulnerable by its very definition. Mm. God did love us enough to enter into our vulnerability and to suffer with us and to suffer for us. God knows what it's like to be abandoned. God knows what it's like to be wounded. God knows what it's like to be humiliated in front of the entire world. God knows what it's like literally to suffer one of, if not the most excruciating deaths you can. And in his risen state, God has the earthly scars. Jesus' body maintains its earthly wounds and scars, giving testimony that even in his risen state, Jesus understands human suffering. And that's not to say that that somehow redeems suffering, Mm -hmm. but it is to say that God is a God who joins us in our suffering. So Mm -hmm. that even when we suffer, even when we're crying tears that we don't think will ever stop, God is still with us in those moments too. Mm -hmm. Which goes back to Romans. You know, there's nothing that can separate us from God. There's not, there's no suffering in the world that God won't enter into and be with us in the midst of it. Rob, I really appreciate what you said about God being vulnerable. And I would invite us and everyone listening to um, wrestle with that for a little bit. Um, We are somewhat trained to think about God as all-powerful and mighty. God as strong, and I do not deny those for a second. Um, And that is the kind of God that I think Jesus describes in the New Testament. He also describes a God that is extremely vulnerable. As we've just explored the Beatitudes just a few weeks ago, um, the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, the beginning, just drip with vulnerability um, and God's love for humanity and what it what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, to live in the kingdom of God. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, is all about vulnerability. Um, this love that is not controlling, this love that is um, uh, that at its core is freedom. And so I, I would, it's something that I need to keep wrestling with and as I think about God as almighty, but all vulnerable. Um, it's, uh, it's a profound and I think needed description of God. It's a good word. God is all vulnerable. Um, and I like that you bring it back to the Sermon on the Mount, because there I think what we see Jesus saying most of all is that love is self-giving and love is interdependent. And we have to remember that if we're going to live into God's image, we need to live interdependently. Mm. We need to give ourselves to others who need us, and we need to be willing to receive what others 
have to give us. Mm. We need to live interdependently. And the world doesn't work. I mean, the world doesn't work when we try and pretend as if we individually or we communally or we nationally can be independent of mm. all others. That's just not how we've been created to be. Mm-hmm. Ramifications when we, when, we, when we try to pretend as if we can. Hmm. Well said. Let's. Yeah, I don't think that totally it, it explains the pain of COVID nineteen, uh-uh. and it may actually open up more questions than it answers. Um, but hopefully, it gives folks a sense of exploring their questions with who they who they think God really is. Is God a God of love? Is God willing to love us enough to be vulnerable with us? Or is God a God of control? Is yeah. God a God of, um, of punishment? Who do, we, who do we see as God? And, and those are the questions that we need to wrestle with as we explore, as we explore something like, did God cause COVID-19? Which is why I think that question is very helpful in the end, because it, it forces us to ask those, <clears throat> those questions that get at the core of who we believe and trust God to be. Is God for us or is God against us? <clears throat> is God truly loving or is God to be feared? They seem like very basic questions, but my gosh, those are foundational questions that will resonate through your entire journey of faith. And so uh, those are good. Those are, I think, needed questions for us to keep going back to. Let's take a couple minutes as we near the end just to talk about, I think we've already started, but what, what does faith, what does trust in God look like in the midst of a suffering world? We live in a suffering world. We see it right now, but we saw it before this, and we'll see it after this. Um, What are some of our thoughts on what does it look like for authentic faith in God amidst a suffering world? Um, I'll I'll start with this one. and we're going to address this a little bit on Sunday, um, but the need for us to express our grief in the midst of this suffering world, um, that sometimes there can be an expectation that um, everything is good and to fully live and trust in God is um, is to always have a shining, smiling face. And while I hope to have that, that often isn't the reality. And at times I, I've needed to <clears throat> the, the the truest sense of of um, my faith at times has been to give myself permission to grieve. Um, to be sad, and sometimes to be angry. Um, I can remember a time where I was wrestling with these questions. This was years ago before I came here 
Um, and there was part of me that needed to be angry with God that God does allow suffering in the world. And as I was moving from a different understanding of God, um, there was a little anger uh, that um, maybe God wasn't exactly who I wanted God to be. <clears throat> that, that, that is a really important point you just shared. Yeah. You know, in the midst of that, it's not just grief over what has happened. It's grief over coming to terms with the possibility that God's not who you had hoped God would be. Wow. I heard someone, I heard someone is an aha moment right there. I heard someone say this to me one time as we were talking about this was, can you, (laughs) can you forgive God for God not being who you want God to always be? Which, as you just said, was just a slap across the face and kind of chin dropping to my desk. Um, But again, that going through that stage allowed this whole different understanding and ultimately life-giving faith to open up around me. So grief and... Um, naming your feelings uh, in the midst of a suffering world. Um, I think we, we've talked about this. We, we've named questions to be so important. Uh, we did it just this past Sunday, but faith is living without answers. And while we're exploring this, and we're going to have some ideas, and we're going to have some thoughts that we're going to throw out there, um, the questions that we're asking humanity and religion and Christianity have been asking since their existence. That's exactly right. And we're going to keep asking these questions. And that's actually the part of what it means to be a person of faith is to live without always having concrete answers. And, and it's okay to want concrete answers and to grieve that you, you're not finding them. Mm-hmm. as part of the grief uh, one of the things that we as a congregation value very clearly um, is curiosity yep uh, so we ask we, we want to be a community that asks these tough questions we want to dig understanding that as we dig we are growing closer to who God is and who God is calling us to be but make no mistake that doesn't mean that there's not grief and struggle amid the digging yes. Yeah. Thanks for noting that. I, I think that is a that is a really helpful point. I thought about that recently. Um, uh, maybe it was a previous podcast or prayer practice we were doing, but we've talked about the questions and need for them, but how uncomfortable they are in the moment. And we need to probably <laughs> name that a little more. It is, uh, it is uncomfortable when you're going through them. Um, but I think the more you practice it, the more you get used to it, the more you'll get comfortable with them. Um, and you can kind of build this foundation. I kind of describe it as where you're, you're, you have one foot on this foundation of trust in God and what you believe and this God that is good and loving and powerful and vulnerable. And you're able to take that other step, that other foot and just step out 
and dip it into the water. And that becomes, that can become more of a norm for you as you get used to asking these questions. But at first, ooh, at first it is tough. Yeah, and it hurts. Yep. It hurts. Um, yeah. And um, Catherine uh, notes, can we forgive God for giving us the freedom to make our own choices that lead to unfortunate outcomes? Yeah. yeah that's, that's a big one. And and I think it's okay to be, as we as we seek to, to make room for that, it's okay, as you noted, to be angry with God about that. Yep. It's okay to be angry. Yep. That was so freeing for me when uh, I was given that permission. At first, it felt heretical, and it felt uh, just so wrong. But when it was articulated to me that uh, um, God's, God's big enough to handle your doubt, to handle your questions, and to handle your anger... Um, was huge and that goes back to God being love and love being vulnerable yep exactly because God is setting us giving us the freedom in our relationship to be angry with God Mm. doing what we want God to do it is it is it is again in my opinion at least yet more testimony to the belief that God is love and love requires vulnerability yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're vulnerable to not only bad things happening to those we love, we're vulnerable to losing our love. Mm. I mean, love, love is the most precious gift we have, which is what makes it so fragile. Yeah. It Because it, when we lose something or someone we love, we realize there's no amount of money, there's no amount of prestige or power in the world that can replace that. True and authentic love at its core <clears throat> is vulnerable because it seeks to not control at all. Um, it, it is not looking for its own <clears throat> its own desires, but truly for the desires of, yep. of the other. And in our resurrection of faith, we see that God didn't stop the world from killing Jesus. God decided to be vulnerable all the way to death. Yeah. Yet, because God loves us so much, God still found a way in resurrection to bless us with love and new life. Mm. You know? Um, It's God not dictating. It's God saying, okay, world, you can kill me. But I love you enough to still find a way to bless you with love and life. Mm. (laughs) Happy Easter season, my gosh. Let me, um, I have one story to share and then we'll, we'll finish up here that had a profound effect on me. Um, I, before I came here, I was in uh, CPE, clinical pastoral education, where I was a chaplain. And I can't remember the event, but we, some previous chaplains at the hospital had been brought in. Uh, and I was having a conversation with, with one of them. Um, she'd gone on to a different career, but had been a chaplain for years. And she described um, her own personal journey through suffering. Um, She was married. I think she had a very young child, a newborn, um, and she was diagnosed with cancer. 
and she described the anger that came up in her. Um, and the, the child or she? She did, the mom, the person I'm talking to. But she had a... She, she had, got diagnosed. She got diagnosed. She had a young child. Okay. Um, and she described the anger that came up in her um, as she um, went, as she started this this journey, um, and how she first pushed God away. Um, and that's what she needed in that moment. She needed to be angry at God. Um, and then hit a point where she realized she needed to invite God in to her suffering and this journey. Um, And she chose to. And she now looks back on it and and she was healed, which is um, amazing. Not everyone is, but she was. But she looks back on her bout and her suffering and could not imagine going through that without a loving and caring God by her side. And so that story to me has been um, a great example of as we move as we live in this suffering world that is all around us, um, uh, a decision or a that, that's in front of us is, do we allow God into our lives uh, as we live in this suffering world, or do we push God away? Um, and we would say that God is waiting for us to invite God into our lives. Yeah. Well said. Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. Well, I love these conversations with you, Rob. They are powerful and life-giving. Um, and so appreciate everyone else who join us for it. We are... Yeah, we're very grateful to, to you all and all your great comments. Thank you. And right back at you, Joel. We... Uh, We are asking uh, these questions alongside you, and we'll keep asking them. Uh, This is the journey of faith. Well, thanks for being with us, everybody. Yep. If you liked it, uh, like it on Facebook and share it so that um, other people who are asking these questions might have an opportunity to explore them alongside of us. Um, Join us also Sundays at 10 for live stream worship. Joel and I are at Monday and Wednesday, the podcast, and Tuesday nights we practice a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Until then, have a good rest of the day. Take care, everybody.